Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You with Jesus. We come to You with the One who suffered and was crucified and died, who bore our sins, the unblemished Lamb of God, innocent and pure, took upon Him the sins of the world. We come to You with Jesus. Help us to grasp death. Help us to grasp Christ's death and help us to grasp the death for which we are to live daily, taking up our crosses and following Him. So may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So I'd like to just provide a brief pastoral reflection. Now you all know too well, brevity is not one of my traits. But I will indeed try to be brief. And I begin with these words that we heard from Job. For there is hope for a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again. That its shoots will not cease. Though its roots grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. And later in verses 13 and 14, we read, Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until your wrath be past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service, I would wait till my renewal should come. Here we are confronted with death. It's easy for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, to speak much, and though we should, speak much of life and resurrection and the resurrection power now. But here today, we contemplate and consider the reality of death we heard in our Gospel reading of how Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus cared for the dead body of our Lord. And we hear in 1 Peter that we are to have this same way of thinking. And what is the same way of thinking? What is it that he is speaking of? He says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. The mind of Christ. So what does the cross mean? What does it mean to embrace death as a Christian, as a follower of Christ? The cross means that sin ceases. 
The cross causes sin to cease. Death, the death of Christ, the work of Christ, causes sin to cease. And because Christ is the example for whom we are to follow, we are to take up our crosses. It's not His cross. But we are to take up our crosses and we are to do it gladly. We are to embrace death. The cross causes sin to cease. The cross causes one to live according to God's will. This is what we see in this First Peter passage. That we are to live according to His will. We are to have the mind of Christ. We are to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking that Christ thought. I find it interesting how sandwiched between uh, these verses, it begins with thinking and it ends with love. And here we find both the mind and the heart meeting, don't we? We are to think as Christ thought and we are to love as Christ loved. The cross causes sin to cease. The cross causes one to live according to God's will. The cross is achieved and undergirded by love. And that's what we hear in those final verses. But here we are faced with death. I think of Aeschylus, 6th century B.C. He was a Greek. He was not a Christian. But he provides such profound words that I think speak so well of the wondrous work of Christ. He says, even in our sleep, the pain that cannot be forgotten falls drop by drop upon the heart against the will until comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. The awful grace of God, the the wise and awful grace of God. It is from death that we have life. So what is your death? What are those things that cause Darkness to creep into your heart? What are those things that you ought to die to? Those things that we so often just carry around, we overlook. We think it's okay to live with them. We think that we can have the life of Christ and have those on our back. Are you taking up your cross? In following Christ, are you doing it willingly and gladly? And if you are not, then perhaps you're not seeing the wondrous work of Christ. Because it's when we see His work that our hearts are moved, that our minds are equipped and empowered to walk in His way, that we are encouraged. And made strong. Yes, fix your eyes upon Christ and embrace death. 
embrace the cross for which you are to carry. So how is it that we are to arm ourselves? How are we to arm ourselves in the same way of thinking for which Peter describes? Well, first, we are to embrace the cross. We are to embrace suffering and death. Remember that just as it was the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that led Christ into the wilderness, it was the Father that did not permit the cup of being crucified to pass. You see, it is the blessed Holy Trinity that enables us and equips us to take up our crosses. You are not to do this alone. We must ponder and grasp the very hospitality of the Holy Trinity who opened Himself up and invited us to come in. And we come in by taking up our crosses and following Him. We come in by thinking in this same way for which Christ thought. And so, secondly, we must remember Him. We must remember that He is the one who is ready to judge the living and dead. This is what Peter says in verse 5. Remember, Zakar has more to do with the heart than the head. In this post-enlightenment age, we, we think of remembering as simply a cognitive endeavor. But it's more returning to Eden. It's remembering our first love. And so remember Him. And He is not just the one who's taken our place. He is the one who is ready to judge the living and the dead. He is the one who will vindicate those who have been mistreated. He's the one who will rescue us in the end and will grant us everlasting life. But He is also the one who is a consuming fire who will judge those who reject Him. Because He is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, we must remember Him. We must not only embrace the cross, embrace the suffering and the death, that's what we do as Christians, but we must also remember Him. Remember Him in our mind. Daily meditate on Him, but we also must be moved by Him. When was the last time you prayed until your heart was moved? I remember when I, uh, 1999, when I became a believer, when God rescued me and grabbed hold of my heart. I remember thinking to myself, and I think I've shared this story before of how I read through Hosea and Hosea chapter 10. It says, while Israel was in the battle of praise, the children of iniquity could not overtake them. While Israel was in the battle of Gebeh or praise, the children of iniquity could not overtake them. I was steeped in fear because I grew up in the church, but I was a pretty ornery and difficult young boy or young man. 
And I thought to myself, all I need to do is just to stay in the battle of praise. And the children of iniquity would not overtake me. And so every chance I got, I prayed and fasted every Tuesday and Thursday. I would fast. And every day I'd get home from work and I would go up to my room and I would pray for hours. And every time the church was open, I would go in there and I would pray. And I remember praying until I was moved. Until my heart was alert. As the great reformer Thomas Cramer would describe, our hearts being alert. Notice how often in the liturgy the word heart is, is mentioned. Because our hearts must be moved. By Him we must remember Him. And that not only is that He is the one who has died, but He is the one who is living He's the one who will judge the living and the dead. And for the living, He will judge us unto eternal life. And for the dead, He will damn. Yes, we must remember Him and who is true and holy. And we must walk in His way. And thirdly, we see in verse 8 that we are to Arm ourselves with the same way of thinking by prayerfully practicing self-control vigilance. This is how we're to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking. We are to be vigilant and self-controlled. We cannot be lazy. We cannot be slothful. But we must be daily taking up our crosses. You will not find a Navy SEAL who is fit and able to perform and to execute what is needed to be executed. You will not find a Navy SEAL being lazy. No, he will be vigilant and self-controlled and disciplined, training daily. And this is what we must do, and we must do it gladly and willingly. Why? Because we see the cross of Christ our hearts are moved. Our minds are bent. We are men with great chests, as C.S. Lewis describes, an abolition of man. Our hearts are enlarged like the Grinch is described. So let your heart be moved. Take up your cross and follow Him. Be self-controlled and vigilant. And lastly, we must arm ourselves with the same way of thinking by love. By living a life of love. What is love? We are told in John 15, there is no greater love than for one to lay down his life for a friend. You are a friend of God. You are an heir with Christ. We have a privilege to not only serve, but to reign with Him. We are raised into heavenly places, seated with Christ. When we come to the Lord's table, we hear often 
the sanctus, right? And that's reminding us of Isaiah 6, where the seraphim swoops down, grabs a coal, and burns Isaiah's lips. But when we come to the Lord's table, our lips are not burned. He treats his friends with delight. He welcomes us to the table. He gives us something savory and sweet. He gives us himself. And yes, then we are raised to heavenly places as those who have humble access to the Lord's table. Yes, we are raised to heavenly places, seated with Christ. That is the real presence for which we enjoy. And this is why we say in our post-communion prayer, thank you, O Lord, for this spiritual food. Because this spiritual food is real. It really affects every aspect of our life. It enables us to have this same way of thinking. It enables us to take up our crosses, to be different from the world, different from those Gentiles from which Peter describes as those who are living according to the flesh. We are to live according to the Spirit. We're to gladly embrace death because we know of the spiritual life that we have in Christ. Amen. Amen.